Welcome to episode four of the Grace Place Wellness Podcast, where we teach preventative and restorative wellness to church workers and those who love them. I'm Pastor Tom Megabrex, Senior Vice President of Ministry Solutions for Lutheran Church Extension Fund. And as always, I'm joined by the Reverend Dr. Greg Walton, Vice President of Ministry Solutions, Grace Place Wellness for LCEF. On today's podcast, we're going to talk about intellectual wellness. In other words, how we live and learn with other people. We'll discuss the fact that how we communicate is as important as what we communicate. And as always, be sure to stay all the way to the end for your wellness tip that you can implement already today as soon as this podcast is over. Hey there, Greg. How are you doing today? Doing well. Thank you, Tom. How about you? Doing very well. Also, just got back from a Mediterranean cruise that we'd been planning and saving for for the past few years. And we try to practice what we preach here on the Grace Place Wellness Podcast. And so it was a great opportunity to to get away, to not be connected to the computer and phone and uh, just have a great time and be relaxed and returned ready and willing and able to get going again. You know, in addition to taking that much needed break and getting some rest and relaxation, a trip like that is also a time for intellectual wellness. As you learn about new things and you see different cultures and meet different people, it really kind of plays into what we're going to be talking about today. Absolutely, man. We sure learned a lot, saw a lot, saw all those different cultures. It was just a fantastic time. I know you had some time away this past week as well, so good for you. It's always good to to take a break every now and then. We encourage everybody to do that. At any rate, we're talking about intellectual wellness today, and that very term seems kind of academic. So to ask the good Lutheran question, what does this mean? You know, intellectual wellness, it sounds rather stuffy. And yet what we're really talking about is not the need for us to be eggheads or intellectuals or academic brainiacs, but it's really talking about developing a healthy curiosity. It's really about knowing yourself and knowing those around you. It's being a lifelong learner, constantly finding those ways to grow and to learn and to challenge yourself. And not just as a church worker, that's the danger. But how do we grow as a spouse or a parent or a child or a sibling? How do we develop those hobbies and outside interests all around us to expand our knowledge base, but also to grow as a person? I happen to know several guys who are pastors who have begun brewing their own beer. Some church workers are very handy as carpenters or in repair work. I used to love to mow the lawn back in the day because it was just a mindless activity, but it got me outside and and doing different things. And there are some master gardeners or pickleball experts or golfers or whatever it happens to be. Uh, But expanding that horizon and learning and growing. I think it was William Burroughs who said, when you stop growing, you start dying. Um, And we have the opportunity to learn and grow every day. In fact, I recently heard of a woman who uh, is over 100 years old who went skydiving. You never stop learning and growing and challenging yourself. But I think another part of intellectual wellness is also being a good listener. It's really not about thinking about your responses before someone finishes their thought. And I know we're probably all guilty of doing that at times. It happens when we assume we know what someone's going to say, and often it turns out to be just the opposite. 
And I know that it happens in a ministry setting, but it also happens in our homes, probably more often than we would like it to. So really, you know, when we're talking about intellectual wellness, we're talking about, on the one hand, uh, learning and growing in curiosity, but also in the art of listening. You're talking about listening there uh, made me think about something I learned in college. I don't remember everything I learned in college, certainly, but had a communications class. And I do remember that the professor said that communication does not take place until a message is sent and a message is received. So what is the value of listening rather than speaking in intellectual wellness? Yeah, I think that is well said. I believe that it's a lost art, listening. And we distinguish listening from hearing in this way. Hearing is really the process or the function or the power or of perceiving and hearing sound. Uh, listening is paying attention to a message in order to hear it and understand it and physically or verbally respond to it. When we listen, and by that I mean honestly, intently listen, we display that sense of curiosity and interest in another. It's easy to take that for granted at times. Proverbs 18.13 says, if one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. So, you know, good listening actually cultivates stronger relationships. We live in a world that is so filled with all kinds of distractions. We hear blaring TVs and cell phones constantly in our hands and a whole host of other things. Our minds seem to race a mile a minute, and sometimes we zone out and we don't really listen to others. Those distractions really rob us of learning new things and experiencing opportunity and growing as God's people. Sometimes those distractions even keep us from hearing God's voice, and that's a dangerous thing. Listening is really a sign of respect. When we fail to, to listen, we are actually breaking the communication cycle, as you mentioned earlier. It's not only a matter of the sound going out, but it's being received as well. Remember the old game telephone? Sure do. When a word or phrase is whispered in a circle of friends, and it can have hilarious results, especially when people aren't really listening. Uh, and what the message sent and the message spoken are can be completely different things. Investing ourselves fully into listening to another helps us pique our godly curiosity. And again, it builds strong and healthy relationships. That's an incredible answer and an incredible thing to think about as we talk about intellectual wellness. There's this whole idea that you've talked about called the fundamental attribution error, which I think is another academic sounding thing, but maybe kind of simple to think about and implement. What is the fundamental attribution error? Yeah, I really love that phrase. I, you know, it actually did come from more of an academic setting. Patrick Healy from the Harvard Business School writes, the fundamental attribution error refers to an individual's tendency to attribute another's action to their character or personality while attributing their behavior to external situational factors outside of their control. In other words, you tend to cut yourself a break while holding others 100% accountable for their actions. It's really a kind of a, a way of saying that we look at situations differently for ourselves than we perhaps do for others. Think for a moment about Nathaniel, who doubted Jesus because Jesus was from Nazareth. I guess based on his experience, people from Nazareth couldn't be worth his time. And so he quickly learned that 
he indeed had committed what we would call a fundamental attribution error. And really, that's just a fancy way of saying judging a book by its cover. I think that's really the simplest way to understand that. Often when we meet someone, we size them up and we form an immediate opinion about them, how they'll act or how they think or what they'll say or maybe what they know. The tendency to make assumptions about people without facts is really a fundamental error. Hollywood has made dozens of movies where someone is wealthy and they're assumed poor or poor and assumed wealthy. And it's a great reminder for us to stop and really listen and ask good questions and not prejudge somebody. We have to be very careful about that. I got to admit that I am guilty of that from more than from time to time, probably far too often. And that can be an issue, right? So what is the biggest issue for most church workers in relationship to intellectual wellness? Well, I do think that we have a tendency to size people up and jump to conclusions uh, without having the information that we need in order to really make a, a sound decision. But I think that there's really two major things that I have seen. And the first one is hurry. Sometimes uh, church workers are so focused on a task that they forget about the person. Listening really is an investment of time in an individual. Sometimes the rewards take some time, but they're really incredibly valuable. The other thing that church workers, I think, often struggle with is being able to communicate or share the things that are going on inside of them. We become so accustomed as church workers to wearing a mask in public that everything is fine, that we're not always fully aware, I think, of ourselves, what's going on inside of us. Intellectual wellness not only involves taking time to listen to others, but also involves honesty and revelation and responsible risk-taking in listening to ourselves. It's about knowing and being known understanding that our communication style and how others around me communicate so I can become a better listener and maybe even better at sharing my own heart and my own passions when it's appropriate. And sometimes we fail to do that. So listening is part of being curious. I think about another person and it, people always like to talk about themselves, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. And it's good for us to listen. So how does a church worker develop a deeper sense of curiosity beyond their focused work? It takes some intentionality. Church workers face a, a task that sometimes is all-consuming. So I think sometimes the first step is getting involved in something outside of the walls of your ministry, finding a hobby or a civic club, being active in your neighborhood or in some larger community activities. Edith and I have recently become involved in a neighborhood Bible study in our little neighborhood here, and we're learning a lot about the people in our neighborhood, mostly retired people, but it's really been fascinating. When you do that, it develops a sense of curiosity, but it also provides an opportunity to shine the light of Jesus in a wider sense in the world around us. I used to tell pastors when they were new to a parish that they, they need to really take time early on to get to know at least four people as they start their ministry in the community. They need to get to know the mayor, the police chief, 
the fire captain and maybe the sheriff, if there is one. And obviously there are others that they should get to know in the community. I, I always thought it would be good to know people who are involved in the food bank or in shelters, community action groups, the schools. And there are so many worthy organizations in most communities where a church worker could really plug in and maybe make a difference. Those really help to get a sense, a pulse, perhaps, of the community. I always encourage, get to know the history of your community. How was it named? Uh, who are the original movers and shakers? And who are they now? As you show that interest in your community, it gives you a greater opportunity to thrive in your ministry and as a person. It not only broadens your mind, but it also blesses your ministry as you learn to work with a variety of people. It's that intellectual, that curiosity about where God has placed you for the very time that you're in. That is such great advice. I, I love the advice of getting to know those four people, learning all about your community. There's so much more to being a church worker and pastor than just focusing inwardly. There's so there's so much to be said about focusing outwardly as well. So thanks for that. That's such great advice. And in terms of continuing to think about how we can learn and grow, what role can continuing education play in this? I know I always saw to it that in my church, Church's budgets, there would be at least a little room for me to continue my education as a pastor. So how can that be helpful? I think, you know, a lot of church workers see continuing the education as going back to school. And there are probably some who like that idea and others who probably do not. Church workers have spent a lot of time in school. And so for many, the idea of being in a classroom on top of everything else that they have to do is probably not very attractive. But being a lifelong learner is about finding new ways to learn and grow. When we stop really growing, we limit our effectiveness for ministry. So I would first of all say continuing education doesn't necessarily mean sitting in a classroom. Uh, Tom Bodgett, who is an author, said the difference between school and life, in school you're taught a lesson and again, then given a test. In life, you're given a test that teaches you a lesson. So we learn from the things all around us. Our everyday life teaches us so much. As a district president, I encouraged continuing education for our church workers, and I tried to make opportunities available. There are obviously opportunities within the synod and, and district and circuit, including conferences and workshops. But today, there are so many other options, including numerous online courses like masterclasses and podcasts and even YouTube channels that will teach you how to do basic things. I, I've learned how to do some plumbing things by going to YouTube and watching how it's done or how to repair something by taking advantage of a YouTube thing, doing electrical work. It's amazing what is available on there. You can even really go to audiobooks where you can listen on the go. There are so many ways to sharpen our skills and learn new ones. The goal here, though, is always to build a curiosity to continually grow as a disciple of Jesus and as servants to his people. Continuing education in whatever form can help us learn new things as we grow as disciples of Jesus. I think it was Coach John Wooten who said, it's what you learn after you know it all that counts. That, to me, is intellectual wellness. 
So as I said, I always tried to see to it that uh, the congregation would put something in the budget for my continuing education. Is that one way or are there other ways that a congregation can support a worker in continuing education? You know, I think that's a primary way, Tom. The budget is always an issue in churches. I think the challenge is for congregational leaders to understand the value of continuing education for their worker. And while our doctrine and our our traditions don't change, we're living in a rapidly changing culture, and we really need to be able to accommodate that in some way. It begins with an awareness of the need. It's a concern. The world around us is changing so rapidly. Too many ministries fail to do exactly what you're talking about and budget adequately for continuing education of any kind. And workers also often fail to have any kind of a continuing education plan. Working together intentionally to set up goals can really help. I think that's something that church workers can sit down with their leaders, whether it's a board of elders or a ministry, school ministry board, whatever it is. Um, I also think time is an important factor here, providing uh, adequate time for continuing education. Uh, Congregations need to understand that continuing education is not vacation or time off. This is an investment into the ministry. And that's really where communication between the worker and the leadership is essential. They need to understand how it will benefit the ministry in the long term and what the time frame is, what the cost is, and a clear understanding of the desired outcome can be a huge factor in support for continuing education for church workers. The other side of that, Tom, is often there's church worker resistance to continuing education. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I've worked with ministries pushing their workers to do some continuing education, offering the opportunities, but finding resistance and being ignored or avoided by workers. It really is about planning together with a vision of how it will bless future ministry as well as benefit the individual. This is a, a worthy conversation that church worker and the leaders in the church really need to have. How does continuing education serve the ministry in this place? At one time, Synod actually talked about continuing education for pastors becoming mandatory, believe it or not. Teachers, we know, are required by law to do continuing education. Years ago, (laughs) a resolution in our district convention in Florida, Georgia, was brought forward regarding continuing education for pastors. And when the floor committee met in the day before the the convention started, there were several pastors present in this particular floor committee who argued against the resolution, asking pastors to be responsible for continuing education. And the discussion went back and forth for about 10 minutes when all of a sudden an older gentleman, uh, a lay delegate who had been sitting in the back of the room, raised his hands and he said, You mean to tell me pastors aren't required to have continuing education? He said, I'm a truck driver and continuing education is mandatory for us. And it was funny because the pastors immediately shut up. There was no response. You know, it's funny because medical professionals, lawyers, accountants all have standards for continuing education. Why would we not want our church workers to be fed and to grow? Continuing education simply makes sense to keep us sharp, and it's really part of intellectual wellness. And by the way, 
I just finished a course on coaching because I really believe that we all need to continue to grow if we're going to thrive. You know, Greg, there's so much that divides our nation, even our church, our churches these days. So it seems to me that intellectual wellness and or curiosity can be very helpful for us as church workers. In what way could it be? Well, you know, this is really an interesting time, isn't it? I mean, some would say that we're more divided as a nation than at any other time. Social media and the Internet have often made a divisive information available immediately. And today, people are not ashamed to share their opinions, whether it revolves around politics or racial issues or medical issues or even global warming. There have been times when I followed comments on Facebook or Twitter over a certain issue, and these are good solid Christian people. And you read the comments and you think if they would put as much energy into promoting the gospel of Jesus Christ, what a difference it could make in the world. There's definitely wisdom in staying informed of current events. Just because I listen to somebody's opinion doesn't mean that I have to agree with it. On the other hand, there are times when I might learn something I didn't know or didn't even consider or understand. I think social media is both good and bad, right? It seems to have made it easier to learn and to see what's going on in the world. On the other hand, I think it's really given people permission to lose courtesy and being polite with each other. We, we really have abandoned that. It's as if whoever shouts the loudest is right without listening to the opinions of others. But here's what Paul told us. He said to be in the world, but not of the world. And he gave us a great understanding and example of the, of the world that he lived in without conforming to it. He had a deep curiosity to know Jesus after his conversion, but he also had a curiosity for others to know Jesus as well. He didn't get caught up in all the happenings in the world at his time, but it seemed like he had a pretty good working knowledge, which enabled him to talk to all sorts of people. When we care about people, and invest the time to get to know what really makes them tick, it strengthens our ability and the opportunity for us to do the work of ministry. There's usually a story behind the story. When you talk to people, you learn that there's usually something more there. John Maxwell used to say, hurting people hurt people. And so if we would really listen, we would find out what is it that's really hurting somebody. I think listening patiently can give us a leg up to know best how to share Jesus in a divided world. It really goes back to the listening and being curious. Reminds me again of that college communications course I took. It must have had a great prop because another thing that I remember learning in that class is that if you're thinking about what you're going to say next while you're trying to listen to somebody else, good communication is not going to happen. So what's the danger of processing our thoughts before fully listening to somebody else? Yeah, I think it leads to what we call foot in mouth disease. You know, we kind of put our foot in our mouth. And I think one of the key skills in coaching is fully listening to someone before you respond, understanding what's going on. Too often we do just the opposite and we form a solution or an answer 
to be ready to respond. In my almost 40 years of marriage, my wife has taught me that she isn't necessarily looking for an answer. She just wants to be heard. And I have to fight still the resistance, you know, the desire, I mean, to answer the question, to be the answer man with all the solutions. Sometimes it means just sitting silently and listening, fully listening. I think about St. Peter in the Gospels and how often he spoke before thinking and how much grief and embarrassment he could have spared himself if he had only listened first. And church workers, well, you know, we can fall into that category. We're considered the experts because, after all, we're the professionals. But, you know, sometimes people just need to be heard and they simply want us to listen. Again, I think, you know, fully listening, active listening is a sign of respect and honoring the person to whom we are listening to, the one that's speaking. It asks the question, what can we learn from each other? God brings people into our lives really for different purposes. Maybe this person has something in them that I can learn from. Maybe God has a purpose beyond what I'm thinking, and I just need to shut up and listen. What brings them joy? What makes them cry? What brings them just the opportunity to celebrate? I think we learn so much simply by listening. You know, we're all different people, Greg. We all have different personalities, different communication styles. How can a church worker assess just what is their communication style? I think that there really are several things, Tom, that we can do to assess our own communication style. I think introspection is probably always a good place to start, reflecting on what kind of a listener am I, and then trying to determine my own communication style from that. My best friend in high school grew up in a very different kind of home than mine. His family was from New England, and they were not very demonstrative. They were somewhat reserved. And his family was always loving, and I was always welcome there. But when he came into my house, it was a very different story. My family was loud and boisterous. We hugged, and we kissed, and we yelled. My mom thought nothing of hugging my friends when they came over. And early on, it made my buddy very uncomfortable, but eventually he got used to it. But it made me aware at a very early age that people communicate differently, not right, not wrong, not good or bad, just unique. We all communicate in our own style. So what was the communication style in your family of origin, how, how you grew up and how does that factor into how you communicate today? What are other things that influence the way that you speak and act toward others? Have you experienced trauma, perhaps? Or have you harbored some hurt deep within? Or are you guarded because of things? These impact how we communicate. The next thing I would say, though, is that we find a trusted friend, whether it's a spouse or a colleague, someone that we are confident is honest with us. Often, we're just not fully aware of how we communicate, especially non-verbally. For instance, I have a tendency to focus and be intense at times, and it comes across that I'm angry or upset. And one of my fellow staff members from the district helped me become very aware of that when I didn't understand people's reaction to me. Having someone else uh, help us identify how we're communicating may not necessarily change it, but that awareness is a helpful tool in our arsenal. There are also tools online that can help you assess your communication style. These can be helpful guides to help you become more attentive to your style. Of course, it all begins with a curiosity and a desire for personal growth and understanding of self. 
That's all such great stuff, Greg. This is really very helpful and things that we can apply to our everyday life and ministry as we go about it. And so before we go, I'd like for you to, as always, give us a wellness tip surrounding all of this stuff we just talked about that we can start implementing already today. Here's what I would say. I I really would encourage listeners to explore opportunities to get to know people on a deeper level and maybe find one person you don't know well and learn from their story. Learn their story. Learn about what they think and what they feel. What brings them joy or sorrow? You may be surprised to learn about their life experiences and the blessings God has placed in their life along with their struggles. In fact, it may help you understand God's work in your life too. Great. Excellent. That is something that we can do already right now today. Thank you for that. And thank you, listener, for joining us today. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd really appreciate it if you would leave a five-star rating and write a good review. That really helps us reach more people with the message of wellness for those who serve the Lord and His people. And if you need any kind of help with ministry planning or ministry expansion campaigns, what we call capital campaigns or stewardship or church worker wellness issues, we are here to help. You can contact your LCEF district vice president in your area or email us at ministry.com solutions at lcef.org. Also, check out our website at lcef.org. And remember, be well and stay well in the grace, love, peace, mercy, and forgiveness of Jesus. Have a great day. Bye-bye.